The Honorable, the Judges of the United States Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit. Oyez, oyez, oyez. All persons having any manner or form of business before the Honorable, the United States Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit, are admonished to draw nigh and give their attention, for the Court is now sitting. God save the United States and this Honorable Court. Be seated. Good morning. Welcome to the Court of Appeals. Judge Diaz and Judge Quattlebaum and myself, Judge Wynn, we will start with the first case today. We have four cases. First case will be Geiger versus the Zurich American Insurance Company case. Uh, and we will hear from Counsel Box. Bax. Bax. Did I pronounce it right? Uh, it's actually Box, um, but uh, nobody gets that right, so I'll answer to either, sir. <laughs> well, it's because it's spelled B-A-X, not B-O-X. Correct. <laughs> Um, may it please the court. Uh, good morning, your honors. Uh, my name is Nathan Box, and I'm with the Foster Law Firm in Greenville, South Carolina. And I'm here today on behalf of the appellant, Kevin Geiger. Um, I'm honored to appear before this court again. Your honors, uh, I'm going to do my best to expound upon specific points and not just repeat what I've already uh, stated in my brief. Um, so first, I would like to comment briefly upon the uh, abuse of discretion standard of review before I turn to the district court's opinion and the own occupation definition of disability. Now, Geiger fully recognizes that the abuse of discretion standard of review is very deferential. However, I would respectfully submit that the standard is so deferential only because the burden put upon plan administrators is so great. So, so when you say the standard of review and the abuse of discretion uh, Usually we're talking about a district court or a judge here. Where is your direction here? Uh, Your Honor, because I believe that uh, the district court um, in its review uh, accepted a lot of the factual statements made by Zurich um, in its argument without uh, doing a thorough analysis of their review looking for the reasonableness within that decision. So your focus is not on the abuse of discretion by Zurich, but the abuse of discretion by the district court? Well, Your Honor, I believe that the district court misapplied the abuse of discretion and uh, accepted factual conclusions asserted in uh, Zurich's final denial letter without uh, analyzing whether or not there was evidence within the record to back up those conclusions. Um, And we don't believe that the record had the evidence and the analysis needed for Zurich to reach the denial that it did, which led to its abuse of discretion, and the district court failed to review that adequately. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, now, uh, and going on with that point, Your Honor, I believe that the deferential standard... Before you, um, before you go on, so I thought I heard you say that you didn't think the record had sufficient evidence to support... Um, um, the, um, the insurance company's findings and by implication the district court's affirmance of those findings. But whose burden is it to present evidence in this case? Uh, Your Honor, I believe that it is the claimant's burden to provide all the factual evidence of the case, the medical records, doctor's opinions, statements from him. I, I agree with you. So if that's the case and if you're saying that there wasn't enough evidence in the record, then that's on you, right? Not... Well, I believe the evidence that's lacking here is how uh, Zurich applied the own occupation definition of disability. Now, well, that's not evidence. That's a sort of an application of a standard. 
Yes, Your Honor. But there is generally within these records vocational analysis, which I'm calling evidence, but there's opinions of qualified individuals about the own occupation and how it's performed in the national economy. And we don't have any of that analysis here, and that's where I believe the abuse of discretion lies, Your Honor. So what we have, it seems like, is Zurich relied on information from treating physicians that despite his heart problems and heart procedures, he was walking and doing things that would, they found, the administrator found, allow you to do a sedentary job. And then they had a peer-reviewed doctor talk to the treating physicians, assess the medical records, and come to that conclusion. I can appreciate disagreeing with that conclusion, but why is the process that uses the information from the treating physicians not evidence that would be under the standard review enough to affirm? Your Honor, I believe that the issue here is that the plan defines own occupation as how it's defined in the national economy. And Zurich asserts that his occupation is sedentary, but we don't have any vocational review or evidence in the record that his job, as it's performed in the national economy, is sedentary. Well, he doesn't challenge that, really. It sounds to me, I thought his objection was not that his job involves some sort of very physically active work, but the actual job he did involved unusual hours and maybe high stress. But that's different than whether it's sedentary or not. It's that in that particular application, it may have been sedentary, but it was just irregular and maybe not the sort of thing that works great for him. Yes, Your Honor, I completely agree with that because we believe it probably is sedentary. I believe that the job would, you know, what he did for CBS News is likely, we believe, very typical to what a news editor would do at any location in the country. What are you agreeing with? Agreeing that this is a question in terms of whether the job is sedentary and whether the evidence meets that? Your Honor, I'm... Because you seem to be making an argument, and I'm just following up on Judge Baldwin, I'm not trying to get into it, but you seem to make an argument about the stress from the mental acuity. But where is that evidence that connects that here that you presented? To return to Judge Diaz's question, the evidence is for you to present, yet what you have is a doctor who says, well, your client, claimant, could walk three miles a day. Yes, Your Honor. And his job is sitting down at a news, I guess, editor-type position during the day. But the evidence of the mental acuity, where is that? Your Honor, and we believe that we submitted evidence of what his job is. And like you said, it's odd hours, high-speed work, his ability to work, you know, over hours if there's a breaking news situation and stay at his desk until the next editor. All these things create a job where just generalizing it as a sedentary occupation 
the broadest physical definition of that occupation misses the point of the own occupation definition of disability in the plan. But it's the risk factor that is at issue here. The risk, he has this condition, and yes, this job is this in terms of stress, but but we got it in terms of the physical side of it because you got as evidence from the other side he can do all these things and so it's sedimentary. But what connects those, the heart conditions and all of that to the mental side of it? Yes, Your Honor. Other than it exists. It is a job that's mentally challenging or whatever, but there's nothing here in terms of the evidence you presented that connects that. Yes, Your Honor. I do, you know, Dr. Izzo, his treating physician in North Carolina, and I do acknowledge that I wish he had more explicitly stated this, but he repeatedly said that his clinical status is always tenuous, and that's the reason why he believes he's disabled. And we believe that that's a clear designation that we have to look beyond just what his active symptomology is when he's home and not working and instead look at would returning to his occupation exacerbate his medical conditions. And Dr. Cole, his cardiologist in New York, told him that if he returned to work, he would be back in for open-heart surgery within a year. And I believe that that's the clear evidence that demonstrates that, yes, he may be doing fine when he's home and not working. Yes, he can watch TV at home and read books for pleasure, but that is not the same as returning to work in, you know, a high-stressful environment, particularly for a long-standing cardiac patient, Your Honor. To follow up on that, reading the records, it seems like the disability that they talk to is the physical cardiac, you know, his heart problems. And as I read the tenuous language, it was referring back to his recent heart procedures. And so if he had been disabled related to, you know, mental health-related issues, which certainly can happen, but I don't think he was, and I don't recall a doctor saying he was. So if he wasn't disabled for that reason but was disabled for physical reasons, and then there's evidence that his physical reasons have improved, how do we add something that wasn't part of the reason he was disabled for? I believe, Your Honor, that, yes, he is mentally sharp. We're not saying that he is cognitively unable to do any portion of his occupation. But instead, the, you know, high-paced nature of his job, all of those would exacerbate the physical conditions, which would reappear very quickly. So I believe it's the mental aspect of the job that would affect his physical conditions and prevent him from returning to that occupation and being able to form it in a continuous manner. Thank you, Your Honors. Let me continue on. Is your only argument that Zurich failed to consider the mental accruity and the stress of the condition? Yes, Your Honor, and 
the uh, district court said that uh, high mental acuity and odd hours do not create material and substantial duties, and we believe that's a misinterpretation of the terms of the plan. The terms of the plan uh, state that it uh, has to be the duties that he is required to do, and that cannot be reasonably omitted from that job, but for you know working an average of over 40 hours. Now, under that definition of material and substantial duties, uh, working odd hours, high mental acuity, high stress, do qualify as material and substantial duties. And I believe, Your Honor, without you know a vocational analysis of how it's performed in the national economy, I believe that those would be found to be material and substantial duties of any breaking news editor in the country. Well, I mean, stress isn't a duty. It's a consequence of the work, right? Um, and it may be different for different people. And I guess I could go back to the, the concern we have about the medical evidence in this record, which you forthrightly and we appreciate conceded could have been better. I mean, the sort of statement that um, his condition was tenuous, I mean, what does that mean mm-hmm. in this context? Your Honor, I believe that uh, when Dr. Izzo made those statements, he uh, always, you know, relayed the extensive cardiac history and the number of the five surgeries that he'd had and the number of valve uh, replacements. So I believe that the evidence viewed objectively would demonstrate that uh, when the doctor says tenuous, he means that his condition could worsen very easily. And particularly him saying that it, the reason he's disabled is because of his tenuous clinical status would mean that uh, a return to work would cause an exacerbation of his symptoms, a decline in his condition, and that that is the reason he's unable to work. What do we make of his statement that, or at least the, your, your um, colleague's statement on the other side in the record, that their expert, Dr. Sims, that went back to um, Dr. Izzo and asked him uh, about whether he could work full time, and he said he did not seem to disagree that Geiger, your client, was capable of full time work. W- what does that mean? Yes, Your Honor. I don't believe that uh, the reviewing physician stating that is very clear and reliable and probative evidence. Um, Dr. Izzo, throughout the record, has been nothing but very supportive and has put it in writing multiple times. Um, including some claims notes where he had his nurse return the call and and make a statement. And so the reviewing physician repeating that, he may have gotten that impression, but if they wanted to make that reliable evidence, they should have sent it to Dr. Izzo for his review and signature, which is a common practice uh, amongst these claims. Your Honors, unless there's any more questions, I'm out of time, so I appreciate your time and consideration. All right. You have a few minutes in rebuttal. We'll hear from uh, Ms. Solares. Good morning. May it please the Court. Irma Solares on behalf of uh, Appali, Zurich American Life Insurance Company of New York. Um, As this Court has uh, properly observed, the key question here is whether Zurich failed to consider the the stress or mental acuity, the impact that that could have had on his position. And I submit to the court that 
It did not because that was never an issue in the administrative record. That didn't come up. Um, the, the record is very clear that during the 15 months that Mr. Geiger was under treatment by his physicians and receiving uh, disability payments, both short-term disability and long-term disability, uh, those physicians submitted on multiple occasions extensive medical notes and records to Zurich. Um, in addition, we have three attending physician statements from Dr. Cole in New York. We have two attending physician statements from Dr. Izzo in North Carolina. And not a single one of those reference stress or his inability to perform his job because of lack of mental acuity. In fact, there's nothing in the 746-page record that brings stress to the forefront. Well, let's, let's think about it. Uh, we all can agree, if you look at this medical testimony and evidence here, that Mr. Geiger surely has a serious heart problem. Uh, yes. He's had multiple procedures and all kinds of heart ailments. Uh, to what extent can we rely upon just common sense that stress is not good for someone with any heart problem, but surely not with the very serious nature of his heart problems? Well, Zurich has to rest its decision on substantial evidence. The finding of disability is based on substantial evidence. And the substantial evidence here was the medical records. It was the statement of job duties uh, submitted by CBS. It was the resource questionnaire submitted by Mr. Geiger, which made no mention of stress or inability to, to perform any of his functions. Did, was Zurich required to consider Dr. Ezo's statement, this always tenuous language? What, what, what did he mean by that? And, and were they required to consider that as maybe pulling in this stress business? Well, it, it required, uh, Zurich certainly considered Dr. Izzo's statement and followed up with him and spoke with him. And as the court acknowledged, as the panel acknowledged, um, he had his, he thought he could return to work. And that's not inconsistent with what the record shows. In fact, Dr. Cole, a month after the surgery, believed that Mr. Geiger could return to work uh, by February of 2019. Dr. Izzo first sees Mr. Geiger in April of 2019, and right off the bat says he can't work, even though he's just seeing him. So the statement about his tenuous condition, I don't think can translate to stress. I think there has to be greater specificity in the record for that to have been an issue for Zurich to, con- to consider. I don't think it could have simply insinuated from tenuous condition that he was under a lot of stress or that uh, returning to a stressful position, which he didn't know. Nobody knew that whether it was stressful or not stressful. Let me ask you, uh, I, I take it Mr. Geiger actually retired from CBS News. Correct. And... In terms of insurance of long-term disability, which has been denied here, <clears throat> would he is he in a position that if something were to support that now, he still would be covered for that? In other words, does he have is that the end of it? If he is now denied and now he's retired, 
he no longer will ever be eligible to get that type of disability because he's not working. Is that is that the case? Well, I think we have to reframe it in the sense that the the terms of the policy that we're considering here is the first 24 months, which is own occupation, whether he was able to return to work to his own occupation. After the expiration of 24 months, then you look to any occupation. That would be a different analysis going forward. You're so, probably not going to find one more sedentary than this one, but the <laughs> employer said it was 89%. What about Correct. this one? <laughs> now, now, Judge. <laughs> you about to become chief, so be careful. <laughs> Correct. He, his, his profession is journalism, and so I, I think that's a question for another day, whether what would happen under an any occupation uh, consideration. But under own occupation, it's whether... Correct. Sitting, he's retired. What would happen now? Um, but I ask because this chief evidence that seems to be missing is the whole business on the mental acuity and the connection to the stress in the job. Correct. It seems like a doctor could go there if someone had just asked them to do it, but it wasn't done. I'm not sure they would. But my question is, if that happened, is that in a posture to change the nature of this case? I'm not trying to make a case for him to do so. I'm just saying, just interested in where this case is and what does it mean to deny it at this point and then bring it up on appeal and then get that upheld. Do you, does it just keep going on and on? <laughs> Correct. I mean, I think we have to look back to when Zurich made that determination and it wasn't part of the record were it to go back, which we hope that would not be the case, um, and it were raised, that's a different issue for a different day. But on the record before the court today, it wasn't raised timely. It was raised belatedly by counsel in the litigation, but it wasn't part of the administrative record. In fact, uh, one, of the, one of the documents that was completed by Dr. Cole, a functional work assessment form, has a section for stress, and he wrote in N.A., not applicable. <clears throat> but it asks a series of questions regarding whether uh, stress, ability to function under stress, and that was simply not completed. So I think on this record, there is nothing, there was nothing for Zurich or the district court to conclude that stress was a factor or that he lacked mental acuity to perform his job functions. Can I go back to the point that Judge Wynn was making about how this does seem to make some intuitive sense? You've got somebody who's got a history of cardiac conditions, and I think a reasonable person might conclude that any job with any level of stress might not be ideal for that for that person. Then on top of that, you have um, Dr. Izzo, who probably could have and should have said more, but at least on one or more occasions, said that uh, Mr. Geiger cannot work. And then on top of that, you have your doctor, Dr. Sims, who never really examined uh, Geiger and nonetheless came to a conclusion that he, he could work, which seems to cut against the validity, validity of his opinion, or at least perhaps question it if you haven't taken the time to actually examine somebody. So what about all of that? If you take all of that, doesn't that raise a question? I don't believe so. 
I think you, you do look to the substantial evidence that's in the record. And the least substantial thing in the record was any inference of stress or inability to perform the, the position because of, you know, mental issues or, or those issues. Yes, Dr. Izzo, all he said was cannot work. Um, but Dr. Sims looked at Dr. Cole's medical records, Dr. Weinberg's medical records, Dr. Izzo's medical records. It looked at um, the form completed by Dr. Cole where he opined that he thought Mr. Granted, it was a month after surgery, but he thought that Mr. Geiger could return to work. And the reality of this record is that after his surgery and after Dr. Cole completed that form, Mr. Geiger continued to improve. He went into surgery 60, 60 pounds heavier. By April of the following year, he was 60 pounds lighter. He was doing well. He was walking, he, you know, three miles a day. The Dr. Sims also took into account his echocardiogram that was done in April of, of 2019, which came back perfect. You know, if one looks at the medical records and, and really analyzes, Mr. Geiger's only complaint was discomfort after long walks. If we are looking strictly at the physical, the physical uh, capabilities of doing it, uh, and we consider the evidence that seems to be so strong here, the loss of 60 pounds, uh, walking three miles a day, which some seems, seems to be walking a dog, you know, maybe two or three times a week. Uh, being a news editor at CBS with the kind of job that he has is not the same as walking a dog. When you are relaxed and you're walking through the neighborhood, your dog, your biggest problem is, is he going to barking or whatever. I mean, it just seems that something else ought to be considered in saying you can go back to work based upon the fact that you, and by the way, he was doing this, he, he really was trying to improve himself, which to some extent, a lot of it is his own statements, I'm sure. Uh, and I don't know what the message comes from this for the next case. If someone goes to a doctor, you don't tell that doctor you've been walking three miles a day if you want long-term disability, and you don't tell those things. But even though he can do that, the question is, why is it that Zurich wouldn't at least go into some functionality type uh, test or something or requirement because you know, I mean, just intuitively, uh, being a, a news editor for CBS is doesn't sound like to me it's, a, it's an easy job. And I, was, I could see the stress because the, the nature of news coming across. But walking a dog in your neighborhood is not the same. It's not the same, admittedly. But his job duties... Zurich did take into consideration his job duties, which were writing news copy. And and it looked at the physical demands of the job. And it's 89% sitting, standing on occasion, lifting less that than much 10 pounds. Agree in terms, if you're looking at sedimentary, maybe that's where Judge Diaz is going with our job. We sit a lot. And if that's what you mean, but when you're sitting and you're dealing with high-stress topics of news stories, of all kind of input and stuff. Why is that not something you would, you know it has to be if you got to go back to, with a heart condition, 
and not just in ordinary hot condition. I mean, you could route off what, what, what uh, Mr. Geiger has in some of those conditions. I didn't know one person could actually have all of them. Uh, but he has, is no question about that. It, it, you have to at least believe there's got to be some connection. Well, I think that really is shifting the burden here. Whose burden is it to raise these issues? Is it Zurich to volunteer these things, to, to knock on, on Mr. Geiger's door and say, are you sure you're not too stressed? Are you sure you can, you know, do this? It was his burden to come forward with evidence that he was not able to perform the, the regular, the, the material and substantial duties of his position because of the added stress it would cause or because he lacked mental acuity to focus. That's not on Zurich. Zurich, any insurer shouldn't have to anticipate the claimant's arguments or presume their mental um, condition. I'm thinking of a job like an air traffic controller. That if you had the same kind of evidence up there and no one mentioned the stress of it, but you got a heart condition like him, your point is even then you need an expert to come in and connect and say this stress is problematic here because of the, and it affects his mental acuity because he has this heart condition. He could talk about the oxygen going through his body, that sort of stuff. You're saying that's lacking, and we should hold him to what to present that. That's why I present the other question. It seems evident to me. Maybe I'm wrong on it, and maybe they can't. That all he has to do is go back to a doctor and really get a doctor to examine him and come back with that kind of statement. But the doctors here seems to have been focusing on the physical side only. And that's where you draw, you think we should draw the line and hold him to the burden that if he has this, don't just use common sense to do it. Make him prove it with expert testimony. Yes, I agree with that. I do think that is my position. Not just expert testimony, but something in the record. Council isn't. Uh, go ahead and finish your answer. I'll follow up. Pardon me. No, 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 no. You finish. Zurich's obligation is to make the determina- determination of disability based on substantial evidence, and there, w- where there's an absence of of evidence here, stress was not a fact. It's it's the absence of fact, and is it that that was my point? Isn't it a little bit more? Than the absence of fact. I mean, I think Judge Wynn and Judge Diaz make you know, very, you know, good thoughts about you know, is there just some obvious connection of stress to someone who's suffering from heart problems? And 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 while that may be truth, we 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 it seems that there's not only the fact that the doctors don't mention stress, the functionality documentation from Dr. Cole almost suggests the alternative. Um, now, I don't know why he would say not applicable. I'm not a doctor, but in the record, it's not just an absence of any discussion about stress. There's in the record places where that could have been talked about and it was affirmatively marked as not applicable. That's correct. If I understand it, is that right? That is correct. That is correct. And 
that, that may be hard to kind of really understand just from us sitting here now, but that's part of the record that Zurich had to look at, as I understand it. That is correct. You know, it's, it was a 746-page record, and there's nothing from any physician or, or any any kind of credible evidence that, you know, stress was a factor. And, and it wasn't uh, Zurich's obligation to raise stress or to suggest that perhaps he might be stressed or couldn't perform his, his job functions because of that. Unless the panel has any further questions, uh, Zurich will rest. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mr. Bax. Fox. <laughs> Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, just a few quick points. Um, Before you do. Yes. You heard the statement she just made? Yes. There is nothing in the record that would indicate from any physician that stress was a factor. Can yes, you Your Honor. That? I, I do. Um, they're not explicitly using the word stress, and, and I agree with that. Um, so we can agree there is nothing explicitly, meaning no plain statement from a doctor or anyone indicating that stress was a factor. So to get there, how do we get there? By implication or what? Yes, Your Honor, I do think it is implicit, and it's also common sense. Um, when asked why he couldn't return to work, this is in a claims note when uh, Geiger was speaking to one of the representatives. Why rely on common sense? Why not just, why, why didn't you just get the doctor to opine or give his opinion on that? I mean, where are we going to go with this common sense thing when we're dealing with issues of this sort? And it really comes to the question of when was it known that this is not enough? Yes, Your Honor. It, it, unfortunately, how these cases go, the uh, claimant doesn't know until they get the final denial. Um, and that's sort of the unfortunate nature of how these cases go. Uh, Zurich has the final denial, uh, the final say in it. Um, the actual the CFR has changed since this case was enacted where the final opinion is sent to the claimant and they have a final chance to review. That was after this case um, occurred. Um, so unfortunately, the, the plaintiff or the, the claimant can think that their evidence is sufficient, can see something that they believe is very obvious, and then after they receive the final denial letter, find out that it's not. Uh, but, Your Honor, I would say that... Uh, Geiger stated to Zurich, um, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said something along the lines of, uh, they asked him, why couldn't you go back to work? And he said, uh, it's the odd hours and going from zero to 100 million miles an hour. That's stress, Your Honor. Uh, I, I, he didn't use the word, um, but I think that anybody reading that would understand that it's the fast-paced nature of his job that as a cardiac patient, he simply wouldn't be able to do without risking his life and health. Really, get making some good points. It's close, but the question then becomes: is, you know, how do we deal with this on appeal? You heard Judge Qualibon's question in terms of what this all means. But, and I agree, zero to 100 miles an hour. He's obviously not talking about running or doing anything physically in yes. that position. He, he has to be talking about mentally or something there, because because CBS says his job is 89% sedentary. So, but. You know, these are difficult cases because we, um, you know, we rely upon enforcing burdens here. And the burden here is to present that evidence. And when one does not present it, 
particularly from an expert on this, and even though we know these things to be true or it's common sense, um, the only reason we know it is because maybe personal experience or physical, but the, but the medical side of it, a doctor should be able to see it. If it's that much common sense, then the doctor should be able to just verify it, and sometimes they may not like to say stuff that's common sense. They, but but in this instance, you don't you, you kind of need it, don't you? Yes, Your Honor, and, and I believe that the burden is on the plaintiff to provide the evidence, but it's all the burden is also on the defendant to do a thorough analysis. And uh, if they see that that's an obvious question, a common sense question, um, their peer review could have asked that, or they could have had a second peer review. Every doctor that saw uh, Geiger in person said that he was disabled. The only person disagreeing is the peer reviewer, which did not see him in person. Uh, Zurich has the ability under the terms of the plan to send him for an IME, an in-person medical exam, or send him for an FCE, a functional capacity exam. Those are rights that they have under the terms of the plan, and they failed to do so. Um, Council, one one thing I, that strikes me as um, you know, as we think about this case, um, and, and this certainly isn't to suggest there weren't elements of you know meaningful stress in the job, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess the argument could be made: lots of jobs have at times elements of stress. You know, almost any, lots of them do. Um, and I, you know, perhaps we should be, a, maybe the reason there's not something in there, I'm just speculating here, which probably isn't that good of an idea to do, is, I mean, the argument almost would be that anyone um, has the cardiac conditions that, like your client had, that they would be permanently disabled because... Maybe this is on the high end of stress. Maybe it's on the medium end of stress. You know, your job's pretty stressful, I'm sure. You know, and you know, people come back and do that. So, you know, I, I, it, you know, perhaps the absence of evidence is not to say there's no stress or can never be connections, but you know that that you know the doctors were aware that a lot of jobs have some stress, and the primary issue here is physical. Yes, Your Honor, and I believe that the court does not need to draw any bright line rule on this. It is a question of every person's cardiac issues or whatever are going to deal with stress differently. And um, I think that we do have a situation here where the record raised the issue um, implicitly, uh, but uh, with the burden of analysis on Zurich, uh, the court does not have to find that uh, there's enough evidence in the record. It can uh, inherently remand uh, the case and say this is a question that was raised. Uh, We're going to send it back to the insurer with instructions to do an FCE, do an IME, um, address these issues, Your Honor. And so uh, we believe that it it is a question that is difficult. Um, I do see I'm out of time, Your Honors. Any further questions? Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bach. Thank you, Ms. Lowers. We will come down and greet counsel and proceed to the next case.